Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, U.S. Gamers' official RPG podcast. And we are live here on Twitch today. I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, everybody. Uh, please don't mind the trash in the background. It's nothing special. <laughs> it's totally unorganized. Everyone asked me about it. It's just trash. I'll, I'll organize it someday. I see Mazinger. That's pretty rad. Yeah, probably. Man. It's just where my husband stu- shoves stuff, so <laughs> I kind of fixed it up. <laughs> also joining me today is Mike Williams. Hello, hello, folks. How is everybody doing today? And finally, Eric Van Allen, our news editor. What up? How's it going? I don't have as much trash. I should have brought more trash over. Just off more camera trash. is where all my trash is. I hide it from the world. We are doing this stream today because we are going to be talking about the next-gen consoles. The PS5 and the Xbox Series X reviews are officially live over on US Gamer. Mike reviewed the PS5. I reviewed the Xbox Series X. It's sitting right behind me. I could probably unplug it and and show it to you. Mike, do, do you have your PS5 handy or is it just too big to actually carry around? The PS5 is entirely too big to move or carry around. Uh, as I stated <laughs> in our review, um, they obviously want you to have the, the, the thing upright. And so the base screws in, but I keep it horizontal. So the, the stand that they have, and it doesn't stand flat without the stand, is sort of clipped to the back. So if I move it, like the stand will like slide off a little bit. So that's annoying. So it's staying right where it is and it's heavy as hell. So we're going to be talking about the Xbox Series X and the PS5 and all of that jazz and all of our opinions on the reviews as well as the podcast, the console's long term outlook. In the meantime, if you enjoy the podcast, can I ask that you go and drop us a like, go and review over on iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast yourself or, or the podcast podcatcher of your choice. I am on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Mike is at Automatic Zen. And Eric is at Seamoosi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And I stream on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday at twitch.tv slash TV. We also have a newsletter that comes out every single Wednesday. Nadia, what was the topic of the newsletter this week? Well, it was a totally uneventful week where nothing, absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> and there was no reason to stress out whatsoever. So nope, I wrote none. about basically uh, I, I thought about areas in RPGs that I love to visit that kind of relax me uh, because of atmosphere, because of music, because of graphics, any reason whatsoever. And I recalled a few of my favorites. Like, of course, Secret of Mana is my, my ultimate comfort food game. So I mentioned how that area's opening forest I still find to be extremely relaxing. And sometimes when I'm stressed out, Hello Kitty Tail. Um I just start up a new game and, and play that. But I'm sure everyone kind of has their own little blissful areas where they just retreat to in an RPG when they want to just space out for a bit. <laughs> blissful areas in an RPG. I mean, a lot of RPGs are kind of stressful. I mean, the world is ending, villains are rising, that kind of thing. Though I can ride around on Roach. If you know the RPG very well, it can be very... It, it can be nice. Like Skyrim has a lot of areas where it's just fun to ride the horse. And of course, Breath of the mm. Wild, even though it's barely an RPG by our standards, uh, I find it one of the most relaxing areas ever in a video game. Uh, as long as you don't go in your by castle our town. Standards. <laughs> by our standards. By our standards. Our very lofty standards. Our discerning standards. 
Eric and Mike, do you have areas that will kind of be comforting for to you, your kind of comfort zones in an RPG? Uh, I'm going to say, and so part of the reason that I, I review a lot of open world games is actually I find my comfort in the busy work. Mm-hmm. So I will I will start with an area and I'll be like, here's all the collectibles and I will just go down the line and and veg out and, and enjoy myself. So pretty much any open world game works for me. Uh, Breath of the Wild is a particularly calming one. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is amazingly calming because you can just sit in front of waterfalls and forest of vibrant colors and just chill. Mm. What about you, Eric? Oddly enough, I've been getting a craving to go back to uh, Final Fantasy X recently. Uh, We'd been talking about it for that PS2 list. And uh, something about just like I like a world that I can just kind of vibe in. And like the music of Final Fantasy X is some of the best in the series, in my opinion. Like that Besaid Island music is just such it's just jam and it's cool and you can just like relax a little bit and then my other one which we will be talking about a little bit today is the world of yakuza and kamarocho um we won't be talking as much about kamarocho but uh that world is so like familiar yet it changes enough over each entry that like it feels really good to just hop back in and be like yeah this is a good place this is a nice place i'm gonna go beat up some mobsters now Yeah, we will be talking about Yakuza <laughs> Like a Dragon a, a little bit later. In the meantime, let's talk about some news. Um, there's a bunch of news, as always, in the world of RPGs. The biggest, when this podcast goes live on Monday, we will already know what happened on N7 Day. I hate using that term because marketing, mm. but uh, it seems very likely that BioWare is on the verge of announcing a Mass Effect remaster. If it is a Mass Effect remaster, hooray! Um, who knows what it could be? They're, they're making a little bit bigger deal of it than usual. Hopefully it's not a letdown, right, Eric? Uh, you know, being a Bioware, you know, being always on brand, hashtag, you know, listen to Normandy FM, uh, my wonderful <laughs> podcast. Gotta, gotta <laughs> plug it while I can. Um and seven day for the most part tends to be like a very marketing focused thing, you know, and they're, they're doing a few things around it. Like they're putting out a, a book that's like the last 25 years of Bioware written by Bioware. Um, and I have that pre-ordered already because I'm just a mark, but uh, it's um, this year. I mean, obviously Jeff Grubb has been posting some, some reports about a mass effect remaster today he tweeted out a very blurry jpeg of what looks like a cover art for a mass effect remaster where you can make out things like shepherd's helmet and liara and gal uh, garris's silhouette and stuff like that um it seems very likely that 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 is getting announced um and I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, it's it's been long enough, I think. It, it's weird to think that Mass Effect, like that trilogy, that Shepard trilogy, was mostly 360 era and kind of defined that era, in my opinion. Like, there's not really a lot of games that have done what that series has done since. I wrote about this for last year's and 7 Day, I believe. Uh, or maybe the year before. I don't know. I wrote about Mass Effect a lot. <laughs> but, um, the idea of having, like, this trilogy where your choices kind of carry over and things happen and you killed the rachni queen so that now affects things that happen later or doesn't affect things with the rachni queen i guess but um it's 
it's a really cool thing and i'm excited at the idea of more people getting to play that especially as it's like fading into the background because you don't see that kind of thing very often so in in terms of the remaster what if they uh uh unify the combat uh that's oh, we're, we're talking they about did wish with, list uh, now they, with, uh, <laughs> oh, uncharted collection they unified the combat across all three games uh what if they did that to your your beloved mass effect i'm i'm a weirdo in that i think that would be one ruining it i mean if they did a remaster and they unified all the combat they should have remastered version and they should have classic version if they didn't mm. have classic version i'd be pretty disappointed because the blood god needs their rpg elements come on <laughs> but mass yeah. effect one is so radically different from two and three not just like in terms of the combat feels different but you have loot drops in that game i and know it's great and it's you an could actual like RPG. mod your weapons yeah like turn your assault rifle into a bullet hose and turn your pistol into a rocket launcher like that doesn't really exist in later games they just kind of give you guns that get mods as you go on but you don't like do that sort of construction and theory crafty building that that you do in this so i I think they're probably going to change it because that game does feel clunky in the scheme of things. And and I believe it was a report from Grub that said that there's a worry that newcomers to the series might bounce off of that. So mm. I, I, I've had this discussion with people before around stuff like Resident Evil 2, where it's like there is always an effort to want to like stay true to what a thing is with a remake. But sometimes the remake needs to stand alone a little bit. It needs to be its own thing. And I, I mean, think to it, do that, is it going to be a remake it. or a remaster? Because well, it is a remaster. There, I the, think a remaster is more likely. In which case, whatever. Like it's just going to be pretty. It's going to be in 4K. It's going to be running 60 FPS, etc. Um, old man Jables, we are doing this live on Twitch <laughs> right now for the podcast listeners. He said. Uh, that they're hoping that the remaster accommodates the uh, multiplayer from Mass Effect 3 as well. I, I doubt it. The reports have been saying that that's not the case and that doesn't surprise me, even though I agree Mass Effect 3 multiplayer is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, fun fact, like a really early uh, version of loot boxes, but um, like that means live services and content updates and an expectation to keep that game running at a pace that would be equivalent to something like apex legends and i don't think anybody wants to put that much like think about what bioware as a whole is working on right now like the things that we know are an anthem reboot and dragon age and i don't think adding a live service game on top of that is going to be but it doesn't have to be a live service game i mean there are just a lot of people who have nostalgia for mass effect 3's multiplayer it was actually a legit good multiplayer service and as long as you make it run and it runs well and people can play it on their ps5 xbox series x i think people would be happy but but then you have servers you have to be apex legends you've got servers you gotta maintain then and then people are going to be like i don't know like look at what star wars squadrons did star wars squadrons comes out that's the model they just say here's a multiplayer game go play it what's happened to star wars squadrons like well star wars squadrons its problem was that it was really unbalanced and that kind of thing whereas mass effect is a proven model it's i mean they would just have to basically do a straight port they're not building a whole new game but they're still putting it on new servers and stuff i like are are they because they i mean ea you may have heard has a lot of multiplayer games they have a pretty robust server infrastructure i don't think they would have to build all new infrastructure just to be able to accommodate from aspect 3 multiplayer 
I, I think there's also just an expectation. Like you build this thing and people are going to want it and then they're going to want more of it. And also like, how do you reckon with the loot box? Do you still have loot boxes? That means you've got to monetize this game again. That means oh you've got to go through that stuff. Mm. Or do you yeah. make it be so mad. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> those are all the things you have. Like I base mass effect three multiplayer. Fantastic. But like there are, pieces of it that some people don't always like remember like loot boxes and literally rolling to get those special character classes that or the not... fact that it fed into your final uh your what was they it? changed War that resources? they did change that yeah um which is what i'm hoping they will do with the re with the supposed remaster supposed remaster um is that uh they will keep a lot of those changes they made from um I always forget what they called it, like the definitive edition or the where they they fixed the ending because people were so mad about an ending where mm, their character, yeah. the director's can cut. die. Yeah, it's Is that one of the first director cut versions of an ending I can remember in a video game. Kind of sad precedent. It was, it was overblown. It was overblown. <laughs> ending was fine. <laughs> we have to keep going. Um, but suffice it to say, I'm pretty sure Mass Effect Remaster is getting announced. And if it isn't. If it's something kind of lame, I think people are going to be mad because I think Ma- people imagine are... if it's like a stuffy or something, like a new figure. Oh. <laughs> it's $500. I mean, Bioware is really like pu- hyping this up, and we've been hearing rumors for months that it's yeah, a Mass Effect yeah. remaster. So this one is kind of interesting, and I think it's something that RPG fans should be keeping on their radar, guys. It's uh, Oct- Octopath Traveler, which is now available on mobile, and uh, I was talking to a friend of mine from Japan who says that it is doing very well. It is quite popular. It is much better received than Octopath Traveler on Switch. That's interesting. So, yeah. So uh, maybe this game is finally fulfilling its destiny and being a mobile game. I hope not, but um, <laughs> I'm really interested <laughs> to know why. It already looked like a mobile game, so why not? Not really. Now, have you seen the mobile versions of Final Fantasy VI and V? Like, they're disgraces, whereas the Octopath Traveler is a Mobile games game. can have good graphics. It's not there. It's just bad art, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, that's our um, direction. I'm wondering why it's doing better on mobile in Japan than it did on Switch. It did well on Switch. Like, it did fine. But I didn't say that it was doing better. I was saying it was better received, as in, like, people oh. seem to like it better. I wonder why. Did they fix anything? Did they change anything? That is worth asking. This is just something that RPG fans should be keeping on their radar. My recollection of Octopath Traveler, like, one of the main criticisms maybe was that the stories, A, didn't really intersect as much as they probably should have. And it had a lot of maybe a, a little bit too much filler. Is that fair to mm-hmm. say? Yeah, and in a turn-based RPG, you're not gaining anything particularly by having buttons. You yeah, can exactly. Tap the stuff on the screen just fine. So I, I play, I mean, yeah, I play RPGs on mobile all the time. Yeah, so like especially for Japan, although how, where are they going with smartphones uh, in in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic? But hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are doing much better because they are making Demon Slayer one of the best uh, uh, box office hits in Japan in a I long time. I have to time, see so. Demon Slayer. I have to watch it. Yeah, man. It's, it, it's good. It's the good stuff. Shareable Texas points out that uh, it gets a little grindy at the end. Is it is problem. definitely a little grindy at the end. Great music, though. I, I would play it again on mobile to see what the deal is. Okay, and finally... We are about to talk about Yakuza Like a Dragon, but in the wake of its reviews, it's not out until next week or tomorrow, I believe, um, as of the release of this podcast. Uh, Apparently, 
the next step for the series, according to Sega's localization manager, is a simultaneous global release, which I am totally down for. Is It's 2020. We yeah. are well past the yeah. long waits for games to be localized. Simultaneous global release. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. And while we're on Yakuza, let's have it for uh, Falcom's games as well, because those tend to be very long waits in between localizations. Uh, Yakuza has become one of those series, almost like Zelda, yeah. where it's actually doing better here in the West mm-hmm. than it does over in Japan. And so uh, they're, they're starting to aim a little bit more for us without going through that phase where Japanese developers were trying to be Western. Like you can be Japanese and you can acknowledge that there is a very large Western audience that also wants your game from you. So uh, we talked a lot uh, about that with our console RPG quests for the PS3 slash Xbox 360 generation yeah, and how yeah. Japan was a little bit lost there for a while, particularly Capcom being a great example. Well, the anime generation came of age and they embraced Yakuza like crazy. The only thing that kind of stands out to me is that Sega is going through a little bit of a tough time right now because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's having to sell off its well, Sega Sammy is having to sell off its arcade business over in Japan. Um, it's still going to keep the name interestingly enough, but I, I think Sega is also having some. It's downsizing. It's laying people off, or it's asking, asking people to go people into to, retirement early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> early retirement. It's, it's a nice way. It's of in an it. interesting place. Which again, yeah, like it's it's weird because you think of the games that Sega and Atlas have been putting out, like persona yakuza like these are big name titles but they're in kind of a weird place i think yakuza is like becoming a major franchise for them like zero was a huge breakthrough um i feel like it's still kind of niche though i mean it doesn't sell that much i would be curious to see what the sales numbers are for yakuza i think like a dragon is going to perform pretty darn well just because it is a next gen title (sighs) and also like Mm -hmm. not having the number next to it helps so much like if you have Yakuza 0, okay, like, 0, I can start there. That makes sense. But Yakuza 6, like, you should not start with Yakuza 6. You're not going to care. <laughs> and, like, Yakuza, it gets confusing, I think, for newcomers when you That's start adding in That's why it's strategically Kiwami, named Yakuza like, like a Dragon and not exactly. Yakuza 7. Because it's, it's also Didn't not it? Yakuza 7. Uh, that's it's essentially and we can talk more about this in the actual segment, but it is essentially like a reboot of the series in a way. Yeah, and it's strategically placed, too, because while it has Xbox Series X uh, exclusivity on next gen to start, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure Microsoft probably paid them to be exclusive to start, they positioned the PS5 release right at the end of the fiscal year. So Mm -hmm. they get that nice Mm -hmm. little top up right there, too. And uh, and come on, let's be honest, people are going to be buying it on previous gen consoles like PS4. And Mm -hmm. when they do buy it, probably they'll be buying buying it on ps5 rather than xbox series X. i think i think they've said that there's an upgrade path as well if you buy it on ps4 mm-hmm. um and i was actually thinking about this the other day i was like wait does that mean you could just buy the ps4 version play backward compatible on ps5 and then yes. get the upgrade <laughs> like yes which makes makes the whole that's console, what i'm doing with console that's what i'm doing with cyberpunk weird. yeah yeah so it makes like yeah. console exclusivity for just next gen really weird all of a sudden when it's like okay i'll just play the older version running better and then I'll upgrade when I can upgrade. <laughs> Let's talk about Yakuza like a dragon. 
Eric, what? you reviewed it. Your review should be up as of Monday. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've scored it yet, but you're sitting somewhere between a 4 and a 4.5. Last I checked, you're like 50, 60 hours in. This is a long dang RPG. It's yeah. kind of grindy toward the end, but you, for the most part, really enjoyed it. I think it says a lot that I've hit so many just like road bumps in life playing this game and I'm still so adamant about how good it is. Like, <laughs> it's... Okay, so, like, to frame it, like, my first Yakuza was Zero, and I reviewed it way back when, and I loved that game, and from that point, I thought it was never going to get that good again, because, like, Kiwami 1, I enjoyed, but it was like, ah, that's not really Zero, it's not what I came to the series for in the first place. Yakuza 6 didn't really do much for me, um, and I tried a lot of the other Yakuza's, and they were, like you know various levels of good but never really like hit me and also there's a thing that a lot of people will talk about like yakuza fatigue those games get very samey in a way that if you try to play them all back to back to back you just like it's you're doing the same thing in the same city over and over again uh it's amazing how like a dragon by moving it to a different city changing the combat system and kind of changing the focus of the game from being just like, you know, previously is always just Kiryu or just one of the protagonists. So now you have a party that's always hanging out and talking to each other. And they have like these little tales of blank type skits where they talk to each other while you're walking around. Completely different feel to this game. Like it's it's functionally like it's got that comfort feel of a Yakuza game, but it feels as fresh as that first Yakuza game did. And I, yeah, I'm I'm glowing about it. It's it's really something else. Glowing like a pregnant woman. I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> Thank the you, prou- Nadia. I'm the proud papa. <laughs> I started. I have only just started Yakuza Like a Dragon. I'm not even really that far into it. And the thing that stands out to me is that how refined Sega has really they've really figured out this formula. It is so tight, so sharp, so much so much fun to play. Even right from the get-go, even when it's being kind of long-winded with this introduction. And it so effortlessly vacillates between being kind of deeply silly and also being really affecting. Like, I mm-hmm. care about Ichiban. He, he's my large oh, adult Ichiban's son. I want to take best. care of him. <laughs> Ichiban's I, so I'm really good. looking forward to playing it. I can't wait. Um, so the difference between Ichiban and Kazuma Kiryu is that Kazuma is like your typical, like, very... You know, stern. He's very stoic. stoic. I love how stoic he is. Stoic, mm-hmm. which can make him pretty funny because ridiculous things are happening around him. And he's just <laughs> yes. kind of reacting in a like, okay, well, that's interesting. Whereas Ichiban is completely the other side. He's constantly reacting to everything in this really heated way. And he has this kind of charmingly naive outlook on the life of being a gangster and on the world and everything like that but he genuinely wants to help he wants to be a good mm-hmm. guy and you're like come on ichiban i'm on your side he loves dragon quest yeah. specifically yes. dragon yeah. quest nerd. <laughs> yeah like like uh, kiryu was was very much that sort of uh stoic masculinity but he was open to everything like kiryu mm-hmm. was just like this is how you are let's just go with this okay mm-hmm. whereas ichiban is very much like Yo, this is like almost joining you. Like, this is real weird, right, guys? But okay, I'm gonna help you regardless. Like, we're we're, we're still here together. I just want you to know that I know that this is weird as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that helps. And then also, like, 
Kiryu is by himself for most of the game. Like there are supporting cast mm-hmm. members, yes. yeah. but they only engage occasionally. You spend a lot of the game by yourself as Kiryu. Whereas uh, Ichiban is always with his crew and mm-hmm. they always have things to say. Uh, and they're, they're just a wonderful group. It's really weird how, as I was playing through this game, I kept feeling like there was just massive persona influence on this game because it probably is like gameplay mechanic wise. It has some similar things like, oh, you can hang out with your companions and build up bonds with them over time to do more side quests and get more uh, abilities with them. There's like a kind of mementos uh, Tartarus equivalent that you can do about halfway through the game. Uh, there's if Ichiban goes down, the whole party goes down, which you can find out at really inopportune times. <laughs> but uh, the the thing that just really got to me more than that was it reminds me so much of Persona Five, the way that it's this story about like the downtrodden of society trying to rise up against the people who are downtrodden on them. Like you spend a lot of your time in Yakuza Like a Dragon with uh, homeless people, with sex workers with like not even like career criminals but just people who are forced into a life of crime because that's the only way they can get by and ichiban is one of those people and the fact that you are kind of doing little kindnesses for them and doing these little tasks around town and helping them and just being a good person like i love persona 5 don't get me wrong this is not me saying persona 5 is a bad game but <laughs> yes it is you're fired but persona 5 is like big picture we're going to change the hearts of the world. Whereas like Yakuza is like, look, if we want to change society, we've got to do it on the ground level. We've got to do these little things and be a community. And it's just a little bit more like affecting in that way. Also, these aren't idealistic teenagers. These are disaster adults who have <laughs> massively ruined their own lives. And that I love that they're 40 something. <laughs> I, I, th- I love that they're 40 something that really differentiates it from your typical Japanese media where you have these high school kids or even younger. I like that they're old, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yes. Yeah, like the finally relatable. old. He's got finally gray. Relatable. He's got yeah. wrinkles. Yeah, and, they, and they, don't even, they, they don't even like really want to change the world. They just want to be left alone to survive. Like, they're just like, mm-hmm. we, we want to be over here where we live let us live and that's it and and the problem is is that everyone keeps getting in their way stupid and being bleach like no japan, you can't get out of here right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so there's a group called bleach japan so basically uh ichiban they end up moving into what's called a soap land uh which is essentially prostitution i was gonna say what's um, a soap land mike and a brothel <laughs> and um uh, it's, it's not a laundromat the, it's uh in the uh, red light district and one of the not actual antagonists, but antagonistic forces is a group called Bleach Japan, which are people from the nicer side of the city mm-hmm. who want the red light district to go mm-hmm. away because it's corrupting the youth of Japan uh-huh. and all of that. And so you end up running into them over and over again. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it brings up this idea of like gray zones in the law where like a soap land is a real life actually in Japan example of a gray zone of the law where they kind of find a way to still do things that should be illegal, but are technically not illegal. And they make this very like compelling distinction between like 
these are people who are just trying to get by. You spend a lot of time talking to the soap landowner and the girls that kind of go through there. And he talks about these are girls who are undocumented. They're coming over here. They have fathers who are in like dire health care situations or something like that. They're just trying to get themselves through school. Like it's on the whole a good take. Sometimes the nuance is not always there where it needs to be because it is still like a Yakuza game. And that also means that it is a very like still masculine view of this stuff. But mm-hmm. that does feel like they managed to rein it in a bit more than it's been in the past. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a really fascinating look at like what Japan is like, like all Yakuza games. Yeah. To piggyback on what Mike was saying, I think that gentrification plays a big role, like mm-hmm. almost from the start, because mm-hmm. um, to set it up, like within the first hour or so, um, our hero goes to prison. And he's uh-huh. got he Ichiban is in prison for like 18 years. So he goes from 2002, which, man, made me a little nostalgic, yeah. got to say, <laughs> or 2001, sorry, to 2019. And he emerges <laughs> to be like smartphones. And uh-huh. he discovers that the city uh, of Kamara uh, Cho <laughs> has been uh, really gentrified because the police really cracked down on crime. Um a lot of the people who helped raise him are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Yakuza are still there. It's just that they're kind of in cahoots with, you know, the neighborhood. It's just that they allow that the Yakuza to survive. But as long as they don't make too much trouble for all those rich people who live there now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bummer, honestly. That's kind of like part of the reboot, too, is there without going into spoilers, there are like some massive implications as far as like previous power structures in the yakuza series being changed or altered um and i think i I mentioned this in my review but it almost (laughs) feels like yakuza is having its fast five moment where Uh it's going from being this thing that is about crime and has some heart to it but it's still kind of just like people doing car stealing and stuff like that it's like you have these immortal legends who become this like canonized uh like literature it like lore in the background and you have this universe that's expanding out so when like you're sitting there and you're playing it ichiban like here's a thing about something and he doesn't give a shit but you as a player you're like wait i remember that person that's from yakuza 4 oh my god (laughs) what does that mean for this and like when people like when different characters from different areas meet you're just like oh my god it's like it's it's really cool and it is getting to that level of like i think all the time about the most recent fast movie where the trailer ended with that stinger where a very famous character who everyone thought was dead came back and like yakuza is getting to that point where they could pull stunts like that because those characters are just that endearing and that wonderful so um it when i think of it being like a reboot that feels like where the series is going and honestly like full throttle into it it's real good (laughs) yeah and i think they're they're probably going to go in a couple of different directions as, as uh, where the series is going because I don't think they're going to get away from the beat 'em up yakuza. Uh, mm. It's just a matter of if that is yakuza or if judgment is going to be that. And then I hope they get away from the beat 'em up aspect because I always found the beat 'em up aspect to be the weakest part of the entire series, and mm-hmm. I want them to refine the turn based combat instead. I think it's. It just solidifies the gameplay in a way that makes me want to actually engage with Yakuza, where previously it was kind of like, it was always kind of like, eh, no. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think they'll go in different directions instead of, so what they were doing recently was the 
mainline new one and then a Kiwami mainline new one, then a Kiwami. Now it'll probably be like RPG Yakuza and judgment RPG Yakuza judgment, uh-huh. like that back and forth. Uh, Cause one of the things that RGG studio is very big about is taking what they have uh, and refining it or recasting it slightly uh, in that Musso style, just to, they work very quickly. <laughs> I have no clue how they work so quickly. Yakuza Musso. Oh man, what an, there we go. I mean, the engine works, and that's the it weird really part, does. is that this game still feels like no a Yakuza game No more Musou games. I'm calling a moratorium on Musou games. No, we're getting, a sad, we're getting a sad Musou. It's going to be great. No, it's going to be the Halo no. Reach of Musou games. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Um, but on the RPG combat, like, I think that's one area where, like, surprisingly, that's where this game falters, and not in the way that I expected, um, because the combat as a whole works. Um, it's surprisingly like, again, a lot of persona influence in that there's elemental weaknesses and you also have different attack types like fist, knife, gun, uh, that you can kind of play off of and, and use different attacks to exploit weaknesses. Uh, but it does this weird thing that's like very, very old RPG. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's not on this podcast, but he is a very big, uh, dragon quest fan. And I was like, yeah, it's really frustrating that you can't swap jobs unless you go to one specific building and talk to one specific person. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's, that's dragon quest. And I was like, dragon quest that's three right infuriating there. <laughs> to me, uh, because like you get into big dungeons where you are going through multiple levels and I'm like, maybe I want to swap out my bard type character. Oh, also the jobs in this game are fantastic because they are all actual, like, job jobs that then translate into you doing attacks based on those jobs so like the chef will flambe people and <laughs> the, the hostess will like pop open my my favorite attack is a host attack uh which is like birthday bash or something where the character walks up and holds out a cake is like it's your birthday and then slams them on the head with the cake it's fantastic every time <laughs> it's still got that like yakuza heart to it like it's still a funny game it's still a very very funny game but uh it's it's really weird that like you you have these characters that kind of do the little hustle when they're fighting and they're kind of pacing around each other and you have all these different positioning attacks and stuff but you can't control the movement yeah that was the thing with me i was kind of like i I forget what game it reminds me of, but positioning is key, but you also don't actually control where your your people are in the it battleground. It sounds a little bit. It reminds me for some reason of Wild Arms 2. Like, yes. Yeah. Or 3, yeah. one or the other. That yeah, just, I, that's just what it sounds this like. This is not an uncommon thing in RPGs, this idea yeah, that the character no. is kind of running around at random and you're just hoping that you, they yeah, you get into the right position. Yeah. Like it was very, very old Star Ocean or like yeah, you know, old yeah. tales and stuff like that. But so like you, you're like sitting there and it it's purely turn-based. So your guy is moving, waiting for you to choose a, an attack, but they'll just sit there. And so you'll sit there for like probably like, 35 40 seconds just being like come on just 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 step over to the right just a little bit <laughs> just a little just bit come on. Or, or you'll start to do a move and then an enemy will move like just out of the range that you want oh. and you're like no yes. stop but <laughs> I, it, I, it's still it's still very good it's, it's yeah. strategic yeah but that's why i want them to keep the turn base so that they can keep to refining it and making Absolutely. it even better because this yeah. is our first stab at it, and it's still a little bit of a work in progress, but it seems like it has 
by using job systems and some of the established fundamentals and then combining it with the beat up aspects of Yakuza, I think they have a really intriguing formula and Absolutely. I want more. <laughs> uh, before we continue onward, hello to Sher- uh, Shareable Texas and John Cutting. Uh, Shareable Texas says, I have a feeling that turn-based games will become really popular with older gamers as we age because arthritis and being chill as hell. <laughs> oh, I have a note about disagree. this. I have a note about this. Um, in Yakuza's combat, it has like these Paper Mario style uh, quick time events where you can do extra damage every time the button presses right. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are like spam hit square and stuff like that. And these gamer wrists are starting to get old there's an option in the menu where you can turn that off and i highly recommend you do it after about 10 like get your fill of it understand what they're going for but after like 40 hours of this game i was like searching for that option because my wrists were killing me Uh yeah Um, spider-man did that and uh avengers also did that where hades did that to me i was having some trouble with that you just Turn the that shield. shit off. Just like when, nope, when I play good. Hades and do the shield, like I just walk away like this, <laughs> like yeah, just hands completely the, cramped. The yeah. The only thing I'll point out about this game is that it's ostensibly a next gen ex- timed exclusive on the Xbox Series X. It does not look like a next gen game. It looks like a souped up PS3 game. I don't hate that necessarily. It still mm. looks very nice, especially during the especially during the cutscenes, but. Uh, the way that the characters move and animate the actual towns look a little bit dated. That's fine. I'm just saying that I think it's kind of funny that it's a quote unquote next gen launch title. You're, you're being 20% too harsh on this game. It looks fine. <laughs> it looks. I didn't say that it looked good. bad. I'm you just saying that it looks PS3. like an early generation PS3, uh, early generation PS4 game. Okay, that late, that I can get on board with. Late PS3, early PS4. The, the <laughs> textures <laughs> need a little bit of work. Some yes. of the models need some work. Probably the biggest thing, and I noticed it when I was playing on PC, the lighting is still very, like... It's weird, right? Flat. It's, like, very flat and straight. And we've sort of, in this generation, especially as we're heading in with ray tracing and stuff, starting to get more realistic lighting. So, like, Yakuza's lighting looks real weird at Mm -hmm. times. I'm just like, okay... Like, it's fine. Um, yeah. Like, the textures and models, I don't think, are going to vastly change because, as, as we note, one, RGG Studio works quickly and and w- within their budget. And two, Sega probably doesn't have the money to throw at them yeah. getting much uh, beyond that. Um, but I think the lighting is something that they could probably improve without, like throwing out everything else in there. Lethal Migraine says, it's the engine. Yakuza never looks great on any platform. They need a massive <laughs> overhaul to the Dragon engine. I don't disagree. Um, it's a little bit like Skyrim, right? A game that when it came out on PS4 in, or sorry, Fallout 4, when it came out on PS4 in 2015, <sighs> it looked like it did not that different from how it looked in 2008, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-mm, mm-mm. that's why i expect that's one big reason that uh the Starfield is taking so long and tia and elder scroll sticks because they got to build the new they got to build a from whole scratch. new engine for this shit they can't keep using the toilet yeah. paper engine or whatever they got going on there <laughs> the toilet paper engine <laughs> and the code is written on toilet paper that's what the games are like 
<laughs> also, Eric is in the chat right now, which I think is pretty funny. Hey, look, Final Fantasy X. People is the were goat. talking about Final Fantasy X. I, I gotta slide in there and be like, people that's, do actually. That's an old people timer. are actually coming into my DMs and saying they want a Final Fantasy X quest cat. Yeah, yeah, I know. People were also commenting on the Blood God notes, and maybe, maybe we'll do this thing. Maybe we will see if it still holds up. We could do but, Witcher oh, three after. But. Oh. We can do Witcher 3 afterward. If you do Final Fantasy X, you have to do X-2 as well. I'm just putting that out there. Oh, it's an important my God. This is like going to be a multi-year project. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Lordy, Lordy. But Especially why? at the rate that I play P- RPGs these days. Especially since X-2 doesn't have Oron, who is one of the best Final Fantasy characters ever. Period. Full stop. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so those are our thoughts on Yaxo Like a Dragon. We might be returning to this soon because Rev Valentine is a friend of the show friend of us gamer really 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 wants to share her thoughts and i still want to play it too so i think there is bandwidth for a spoiler cast at yeah some point i'll be playing it so future. we might have fun yeah all right now is the time to continue on to why we're doing the stream in the first place the pf5 and the xbox series x reviews are out mike and i are going to talk about it eric and nadia are going to share their thoughts as well don't go away PS5 and Xbox Series X, the reviews are officially done. Mike, you can rest. Thank you. How are you feeling over there? Uh, Dobby is free. <laughs> Dobby has stopped. Dobby is a free elf. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 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 fine, and I'm looking forward to having more games. It's been, uh, without diving too, too far into our side and inside baseball, it's been sort of a nightmare a lot of stuff is not done a lot of games are not fully uh switched over to the new um new code like so like cat has xbox series x versions of some games and i don't have the ps5 versions of those same games so it, it, and we're hearing that some features uh, are going to be patched in. Some features are not working, like uh, over on the Series X. Quick resume, one of the bigger features is, uh, I believe they disabled it, Kat? Mm-hmm. And, oh, with Instant Resume? Uh, yes. Yeah, Instant Resume is currently disabled with Xbox Series X optimized games, whereas the uh, where it still works with backwards compatible games ostensibly i haven't tested them with all of them i it works with madden it works with witcher 3 i think um and some other games but it doesn't work on some of the other games i don't think it works on forza right now (laughs) or gears 5 um so yeah it's a it's a it's a little uneven at the moment because microsoft identified an issue with instant resume and has to patch it and it might be a post-lounge patch so it's yeah. all coming in hot. I was saying this feels like probably the most incomplete console generation I've ever been part of. 
It's like this thing is happening, but later. Yeah, I wrote a while ago, uh, and this was purely about the launch lineup that that neither console was ready for the holiday. Yeah, and uh, on this side, having reviewed it and seeing the stuff that's coming in and the issues sort of with publishers and versions and games and all that stuff. It's probably true that neither console was truly ready to launch this holiday season, but they were kind of locked in. And uh, Mm. so like there are missing features, there's stuff that's coming uh, like uh, you can't copy um, PS4, uh, PS5 games over to a USB hard drive yeah. And when I tried to copy over, so uh, the PS5 can connect to my uh, PlayStation Plus cloud storage, but I couldn't pull the games down from there. I had to actually mm-hmm. copy them from the, the PS4 uh, on a USB over and then move it over that way. So wow. like that like stuff, that I, I, yeah, I, I figure that stuff will be fixed because it, it, it has the connection there. Just the connection would error out for me. So there's a lot of small stuff like that um, uh, on my side and on Cat's side. So I, I, I think these are coming in real, real hot. The pandemic and, affected a lot, I think. It really did. Yeah. 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 And, and we got games that were not. Uh, so like Cat, you have Valhalla on Series X is, is a I good do. example. But there is no Valhalla on PS5 yet, like period. Oh, that's rough. So Dang. we we have a code, but it won't work yet mm-hmm. uh, until launch. And then like Demon Souls, we're not getting Demon Souls until like launch day. So if you wonder where the Demon Souls reviews are, that's why no one has a review of that or Spider Man Remastered. Those games we don't have them yet. Yeah, we're getting Mike's uh, PS5 pre-order to John Learned, who has previously done our Soulsborne coverage, so that he can start playing Demon Souls basically ASAP. But I don't think we're going to have Demon Souls coverage by the time this thing launches, for sure. So, yeah. uh, which is, I, I'm sure Sony would have handled it much differently in the event without the pandemic. I'm sure we would have had these consoles a while ago. We would have had all of the major games, but instead, it's incredibly piecemeal because everybody is just trying to figure it out. By the way, Berserker Guts 25 says not to be a downer, but this is the least excited I've been for a new generation of consoles. How do you guys really? feel? Is this the least excited? Um, I I can't remember how I felt about the PS. I haven't been extremely excited about a console since like I was 15 at the SNES and <laughs> all that was coming out. But uh, yeah, I just feel like, as you said, Kat, something about the pandemic put a damper on everything. Like everything feels half done, which is fine, obviously. The pandemic and your health and everything comes first, but it feels like this all should have been booted to next year and there's no way anyone was booting it to next year. So it just feels like, okay, here it is. Uh, don't Try not to download any really big games on the PlayStation 5 yet, guys. We, we got to work out this memory thing. So yeah, it just, until those exclusives really start coming, it's like any console, I guess. It's rare for a console to release with a huge exclusive. Like I got really excited for the Switch just because it had Breath of the Wild. Like how could I not be excited for that? Otherwise, it's like I'm looking at the PlayStation 5 saying, oh, okay, I wouldn't mind having this. And I'll definitely want it when, when Final Fantasy 16 comes out. But so I'm not there like, you go. You got your app. Yeah, Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 is going to look much better on the PS5. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's going to have its apps. But when? It's a matter of when. I'm not like, oh, my God, Amazon giving my PlayStation 5 right I mean, the hell now. I mean, it's going to have Demon's Souls. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not a huge Souls person, so. 
A Lethal Migraine says that they're actually extremely excited for this because of the 120 frames, which I got to say, once you get the right TV, That's 120 the thing. frames I have makes a, a big difference. Mm-hmm. I have a really crappy old TV, so <laughs> it's just, yeah. it barely counts as upgrade HD. your TV. Come on. Uh, it's okay, 2020. Can I have a raise, please? <laughs> yeah. Like it, I, now it's, it's never been a better time to buy a TV right now, according to cheap. Digital Foundry. They're cheaper. And the OLEDs are very effective or mm-hmm. very cost effective right now. They're like very strong. And that is how you can best enjoy next gen. Yeah, I'll, so see I, what, I, I'll see what Black Friday brings me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always <laughs> been Black an early. <laughs> that's all the crap. Don't buy Black Friday. Friday Wait, that's TVs. all the crap. That's what they shovel out all the crap. Yeah. I yeah. That's that. where they show. That's why they it's cut rate because they're trying to move stock. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd always be on board because I'm an early adopter, but I also acknowledge, uh, the issues with my early adopter tendencies. Like I have a TV that can, uh, uh, handle all of this stuff. And, and one of the first things I did was like, okay, is HDR working? Okay. Everything's good here. What about high frame rate? Is this going to come mm-hmm. through here? Um, although the, the PS5 does not, uh, do it currently. Uh, and but I'm looking forward to the Series X to uh, do 120 frames per second. Depends um, on the game. Like Gears 5 yeah. can do 120 frames per second in multiplayer. In multiplayer, right. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but like I also acknowledge as an early adopter that I'm I'm a far outlier. Uh, I was on the GI.biz uh, podcast and talking to those guys like they cover the game industry most of them don't even have a 4k tv whereas whereas wild whereas i'm like i don't know like worrying like does my 4k tv have an hdi 2.1 slot on it (laughs) see i don't Uh, care (laughs) yeah see and and those are the things that like i'm like oh no okay that's a problem it's 2020 get a 4k tv right not not having a 4k tv in 2020 is like having a cr television in 2008 you can buy do you think my landlord do you think my landlord will understand if i say i'm not paying this month i want to get a 4k tv they'll be like oh okay sure The good news is that Shareable Texas wants to start a GoFundMe, Nadia, so that you can get a new TV. (laughs) Nadia, non-shitty TV. Yo, if you're going to do that, start one for me first because I need that CX. You already got the TV. Come on. I got got a Samsung and it's pretty good, but I need that LG CX, that OLED blacks. They're just... mm. So good. You're speaking a language I don't understand right now. <laughs> okay, but but here's the thing. Like that's all that's all well and good. Like numbers are all well and good. But like the reason I'm personally not thrilled about this generation was actually the same that I was not thrilled about last generation. And it's that there's not really a solid game base yet. Like there's not mm-hmm. like you mentioned killer that's apps. How it earlier, is every generation. But but like this year is especially not there because like okay look. Over here, Miles I've got, Morales and Demon Souls are great. Two that, great killer apps. I got that bad boy right there, and that's going to run go Cyberpunk. Say. That's going to take care of. If all you that. got a gaming PC, yeah, you're set. But this is for uh, people who yeah. don't have two thousand dollars to drop but on a high end gaming PC. At the same time, like the things that eventually like got me to be like, okay, I'm on board with the PS5, are that they have things like Astro's Playroom and stuff like that that use haptics in a way that 
this bad boy right here, that thing <laughs> doesn't vibrate. All right. It doesn't shake and, you know, mess with my fingers and stop my triggers and all that kind of stuff. So that that is why I'm excited. Are for you PS5. going to marry your uh, PC, Eric? It sounds like you're going to marry your PC. <laughs> no, no, I'm not because it's not reciprocating. And that's what Nadia, we're talking about right here. <laughs> Nadia, once you get a new gaming PC, trust me, you will like cat. Cat went from eh to new gaming PC. And now she's on board. Playing Iceborne in 60 frames per second. Oh, oh my God. Oh, it's dope. And that's oh. 60 frames at 120. <laughs> ah, head exploding. By the way, uh, this is for you, Eric. Uh, Tetlas says that they played Mass Effect 2 in CR television. And oh, I yeah. cannot even imagine. I played, <laughs> yep. I played Dead Space 2 on the world's largest CRT that my uh, one of my college friends had. That was actually yeah. pretty all right. That was pretty neat. Uh, I, I wanted that. to try playing Dead Rising on a CRT television, but that was like the first indication that CRTs were dead because the, you couldn't read the text on a CRT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I and, and a lot of people, it, the launch lineups, look, they're just not there. Miles not is yet. great. Uh, I the, Our review for that went up uh, today. It's great. I love it. But it's also a sort of standalone expansion of an existing game. Uh, with uh, some great graphical improvements, but not necessarily meaningful to gameplay. And not everyone's going to be a Souls fan. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, you're, you have a bunch of multi-platform games that you can get on uh, your current consoles or whatever. Um, most I of think the, the quality of life improvements plus... Uh, I think the quality of life improvements plus the backward compatibility optimization does actually kind of make it worth it. Because in a lot of ways... I mean, it's like booting up a new computer for the first time and installing all your old games. You're like, oh, my God, it loads so fast. Oh, my God, it looks so much better. Like playing Forza Horizon 4 on the Xbox Series X and like panic button didn't hit everything, but they did hit the frame rate and it looks freaking great, you know? Yeah, and, and that's what I was about to say. Like a lot of the stuff that really benefits right now. Uh, or, or some of that new technology. Yes, the adaptive triggers on my side are, are pretty awesome. Um, I, I do enjoy the improved frame rates. Uh, more consistent 4K uh, is fantastic. And probably one of the biggest things other than load times, uh, I know Cat is seeing a lot of real fast load times on Series X. There are some faster load times on PS5, but uh, the 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 lowering of the download time from yes. PS4 yes. to uh, PS5 was stunning to me. Like it was fast enough that I loaded, downloaded a game, and then I was like, "Yo, that was way too fast. I need to go back and <laughs> Is this actually." Game Are you sure? Like, I need to go check how fast <laughs> that took. Uh, and in our review, I'll note like I uh, a medium-sized game was Fist of the North Star: Lost Paradise which was about 36 gigs. So I downloaded it on my PS4 Pro and that took 58 minutes and 34 seconds. On the PS5, it uh, took seven minutes and one second. So you went from almost an hour to under 10 minutes That's for the crazy. same game. Uh, That's so pretty yeah, cool. Like those, those small quality of life features are really important. And, e- and even if you just jump from the PS4 Pro to the PS5 and you're just playing all of your old PS4 games, mm-hmm. you're still getting a lot of improvements there. And I think it's true probably for the Xbox. And keeping in mind that not everybody has a PS4 Pro. Plenty of people have launched have PS4s. Yeah. 
a lot of modern games kind of run like garbage on a launch PS4 in this day and age because the current technology has left it behind. So going from a PS4 launch version to a PS5 is actually a pretty considerable leap in terms of actual enjoyment. And let me tell you, those load times really make a difference. Let me, you can't doom scroll anymore. But finally, uh, Cyberpunk is coming out in a couple weeks or in a month. And if you're planning on playing that game and you don't have a high-end gaming PC, you should be buying it on a next-gen console because you have a upgrade path with it and it's going to run better on uh-huh. the uh, at least on the Xbox Series X. And it's just all very seamless. So playing even quote-unquote current-gen games, like you probably want to be playing them on a next-gen platform regardless. Yep. Yeah, that is the one of the biggest reasons I do want to get a PS5 is because I do have a launch PS4 and it really is showing its age. Um, I couldn't like I tried to run Genshin Impact, it just was not working properly for me. Final yeah. Fantasy fourteen. Uh, when I go to Limsa Lominsa, like everyone's RPing there and it slows <laughs> everything down. Like, go do your erotic role play somewhere else, please. I'm trying to get through the, the and, town, and that's going to happen with everything because I think this is going to be the the track that we're on so i think even when the mythic uh switch pro finally touches down like that's going to be another one of those where you want to just move up for uh improvements in your overall quality of life tweaks Uh performance and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um and so maybe the ps5 and xbox series x aren't uh within say the six months or this year going to really have the the games that are hammering home how amazing next gen will be but in the meantime all of your current stuff will run fantastic on it yeah i'm looking forward to that berserker guts by the way nadia says genshin won't run properly unless you donate to the gotcha gods so (laughs) start saving up your money I can imagine putting money into the gotcha system and it's like you get the little capsule that says yay the game doesn't run like shit and you get little sparkles and everything yeah, and someone in the chat asked if I would uh, compare Miles Morales to Witcher expansion. Yeah, that's probably about right. The the all both of the Witcher expansions were pretty meaty in terms of content, and uh-huh. Miles is about. It took me about seventeen hours to hundred percent it. Not fully because to fully hundred percent the game, you have to new game plus it. But to finish all the content in one playthrough was seventeen hours. Um, Reminds me of one of the Shovel Knight expansions where it's a standalone game. It's a whole, but they're still, you're still playing through the same levels in a lot of ways, but they've been completely remixed and you got new characters, you got a new story, that kind of thing. And so it's totally worth playing. Yeah. So Mike, you reviewed the PS5. Why don't you talk us through it? Uh, So I took it out of the box and it Whoa, was heavy. As you do. <laughs> By the way, uh, I heard that it melted a kiosk at Best Buy. Oh, cool. Oh, really? I didn't hear about that. Uh, <laughs> That's wild because it overheated. I, nice. I could I could see that because... Uh, Is it that hot? No, I don't think so. But if it's inside a kiosk, uh, like yeah. the, the manual is like, hey, uh, the back of this needs to have like four inches at least of clearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It vents, out, it vents out of what is... The top, um, where the the sort of fins go, and and out of the back, so you need to have that that thing is open. a space shuttle. And if I if I it, 
had to guess they probably have it in like a plastic enclosure. Yes. Where it's not venting any of the heat anywhere. Oh my God. That's amazing. I got to see pictures. I got to look this up. I'm going to burn down my house. I'm a little worried now. Yeah. So, so uh, either you want to have it, it's big enough that you're probably going to have to put it on, uh, depending on your entertainment stand on top of your entertainment stand. Um, but mine, I have, a, I have, I have a shelf, like I have a, a shelf in a, in a closet and it has plenty shelf. of ventilation actually, but, uh, I'm just wondering if the PS5 will literally fit in it. I think it will. It's just a little <laughs> kind of an open question. Series X fits fine. I, I like, I like being able to stand it up. Is that kind of uh, thing? Okay. Then it's, it's a bit taller than the, the series X and probably like yeah. deeper, I, slightly deeper. I think I, I think I can fit it in if I stand it up, actually. So it should be. Yeah, I'm disappointed. But. I did not find any pictures of melted kiosks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and the PlayStation 5 is blooming out of it like a death flower. Yeah. How's uh, the UI? Like, how's the overall experience console? of getting it set up and everything? So uh, starting it up, it, it's actually uh, in like the Series X Whisper Quiet. Um, actually, when I was writing the review, was the first time I heard the system. And the reason I did is because the disk drive is actually very loud. Really? Oh, really? Yes, yes. The The system itself playing is whisper quiet, but the disk drive spinning up, it was just like, Phew. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> then I like, I like got down on my it's knees and then you, I Mike. was like next to the system. And I'm like, Oh God, that's the disc drive, and it was Assassin's Creed Great. Syndicate. That was what I was testing in there. that. I'm so happy um, I paid fifty extra dollars to have a gremlin inside my house. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the UI itself is very much a tweak of the PS4's existing UI, and in fact, over time, day to day, as I've been using it. Like mentally, it just slots in next to the PS4 for me. Like mm -hmm. it, it is definitely upresed for 4K TVs, and it's HDR, but it's mostly the same font, a lot of the same positioning. Uh, you can see the the icons are mostly in the same spot for like all of the games and the game library and all that. They're just smaller, and some things have switched around. Um, like saves are handled mostly the same. The The biggest change is what they call the switcher, which is uh, where if you're in a Can game. Can I just say that when you say switcher, when I was editing your thing yesterday, <laughs> all I could think of was freaking switch. Witcher. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, whoa, are we talking about switcher? Like Witcher 3? Oh, no, no. He's talking about it's actually called a switcher. Okay. Yes, it's, it's anyway. actually called the switcher in the UI itself. Um, and... Basically, so when you're playing a game on PS4 or PS4 Pro and you hit the PlayStation button, what it would do is kick you all the way back out to the home screen um, where you could do stuff and then you could jump back into the game. The switcher, you hit the PS button, it just brings up a context menu as an overlay over your current game. And that has most of the home screen features there. So you can go all the way back to the home screen. You can switch to like your last couple played titles, change devices, all that stuff is right there without actually leaving the game, um, which is pretty helpful. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a slight tweak of the way it worked on PS4, just from a UI perspective. 
I am very disappointed that the switcher does not work like quick resume on the series X. Yeah. Um, it currently, if you switch games, just goes to the title screen of the next game. Yeah. Um, for most of the other games I tried, miles was the only one that would try to go back to where I was in the game period. But most of the others depends on the publisher. Basically. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. it's a developer thing, like a, a developer can set it up so that the game will remember where you are, period. But that's a game specific thing as opposed to uh, the Series X where Microsoft actually has it. It saves states because uh, they're doing a lot of stuff with virtual machines. And so it literally goes, this is where your game was and saves that to the hard drive. And then when you switch back, it just pulls that out again. Um, I have to say, when I was reading your review, Mike, like it kind of gave me pause because I have a PS5 on pre-order. Um, I'm excited to have it and everything. I'm sure it's going to look great. But from a quality of life standpoint, I feel like the Xbox might actually have the edge over the PS5 at the moment. Just because even though Instant Resume isn't quite working, it'll be working soon enough. I, I think being able to do stuff like that, I just I love that I can turn on Spotify in the apps and it will still be running when I go into a game and will actually override the soundtrack. Wait, that's wait, pretty wait. cool. Yes, uh, that's actually working on PS5 as well. Uh, that's awesome. Okay. Yes. That's so, yes. Uh, as, as one of we the, live in the future. Yeah, as one of the switcher icons, music is one of them, and you can uh, you have to connect your Spotify account, but you can set it up there, and it'll just re- override any of your game music. What do you think of the controller? Like Everybody's been praising the controller to high heaven, uh, they were talking about how the haptics. Do you have the dual sense with you? No, you don't. Do you? Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. There's the dual sense. Yeah, Man. yeah. All of my controllers are, are literally like on my desk because I, I play. Okay. <laughs> if you were to rank the controllers, like, what do you like the better? The Xbox like series or the Xbox One X like kind of Pro controller or the Switch Pro controller, the PS4 controller? Dual sense. Uh, my best controller is probably still the xbox elite 2 but that's just okay. because it's pure premium materials mm-hmm. as as a bottom barrel uh controller i think the dual sense is probably the best one uh as i said in the hardware impressions that i did like a week back or maybe two it, it's been a while um the dual sense so- splits the difference between the dualshock 4 and the Xbox controller, which I preferred the shape of. Yeah. And uh, it feels a little bit better in the hand than the DualShock 4 did. Does it stay charged? Because that's a huge yeah. problem with the DualShock. My DualShock has no... <laughs> so, so it's very weird. Uh, er, earlier, as as the reviews were coming out, people were like, well, we, we we're hearing like when you play uh, Astro's Playroom, that the thing... Uh, runs out of charge in like four or five hours or something like that. And I, I want to probably acknowledge that Astro's Playroom is a showcase for the DualSense. And it turns all of the DualSense features up to like maximum and uses them all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not the case for most games. So my first test was... uh running the controller from hundred percent to zero was 13 hours. Uh, and most of that was miles and backwards compatible. games. Um, 
subsequent tests have been around 12, uh, depending, but uh, like that, that's not to say that Astros won't indeed drain the controller in four or five hours. I'm not like casting aspersions on those people that said that. I'm just saying the way Astro plays is not how the controller is normally used in most games. So I, I wouldn't necessarily worry about that. That's still a, a bit of a cry away from maybe uh, the Xbox one controller, which I think is like 20, uh, 20 hours. hours? Yeah. I mean, I have uh, batteries in it and it's still going along fine. And I've been playing a lot of games on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I think the the original Xbox One controller is like twenty hours. So the new one is probably exactly the same. Um, and generally, like thirteen hours required a lot of work from me. Because can I just say <laughs> that Astro's Playroom reminds me of like One Two Switch and oh, Wii boy. Sports and those kinds of games, just in the sense that. Uh, Sony went and made this really souped up controller that has serious Nintendo vibes in a lot of ways. Stuff like the haptics and all of that reminds me of HD Rumble on the mm. Joy-Con. And I think it's worth noting that who uses the Joy-Con stuff? That That's actually exactly... Was it 1-2-Switch that had the ice in the... Uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the rattle. Which is like really cool from a technology standpoint, but no one uses yeah. it. No. I, I, Why I can, would you? It's right. just gimmick. Um, and some of the haptics are used occasionally, but they're very subtle. Like Miles has, you can feel the web, but it's very light. It's far lighter than Astro is. And I don't think Astro is a normal use case for mm -hmm. most. So, so I, just I, as a point of direct comparison, I have an Xbox Series X controller right here. And uh, I, I actually really like it. For the most part, um, it they changed Hello, the ergonomics cat. a little bit, um, so it fits really nicely into my hand. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but you can see kind of a like a rough. Okay, you can't really see it. There's the texture on the back is rough. Yeah, I know it what actually, you mean. It's rough. It it actually feels really nice. Um, you can see that there is a USB C uh, port instead of a. Uh, they had a USB mini port, I believe, before. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the DualSense is the same USB C now. And that you have this joy, um, the, the D-pad is a rocker and you can hear it's like clicking um, and, and it works. I actually really like it, especially for selecting things. Um, also, hi, Eric, your cat is very cute. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I want to use the D-pad necessarily for retro games. It's actually a little more uncomfortable uh, playing platformers and that kind of thing. I was playing Sonic 2 actually like that. <laughs> Sega uh, Sega classics collection or whatever was one of the first things that I booted up with it. And I was playing Sonic two with the D pad. I was like, Oh, it, it doesn't feel quite as good. But when it comes to selecting things, it feels great. <laughs> so <laughs> a plus. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, I like the D pad here. It's, it's actually a pretty good one. And uh, they definitely improved for me, the, the triggers and the uh, bumpers, they have a little bit more weight to them and a little bit more of a click to them. Uh, whereas the DualShocks original ones are, are a little muddy uh, mm -hmm. on the bumpers and then the the, the triggers themselves. Uh, it probably doesn't help that I, I I also bought a lot of third party like scuff controllers and stuff like that. So I, I enjoy like premium controllers and the, I, I sort of left the DualShock 4 behind. 
Um, someone asked, uh, do you recommend playing the, the PS5 upright or on its side? I, I don't think it matters as long as you have the clearance for it venting heat out. As long as you don't um, melt any kiosks. I, I have it on its side. It's literally just like sitting. Uh, actually, here, give me a second. Let me see if I can do this. Hi, ceiling fan. Oh, my God. We're going on a journey through Mike's house. So, oh, there it is. Holy yeah. shit, it's oh, humongous. Oh, it's a big boy. <laughs> oh, my yes. God. That thing is enormous. Oh, it's <laughs> a big boy. Every time I see it, I'm shocked. It's Holy cow. Huge. Oh, boy. What is That is a chonky boy. Oh, I'm a yeah. big boy so, now. I mean, like, oh, wow. It's coming. So, like, uh, it, it's it's a it's a big system. Um, and <laughs> as you can see there, the white also makes it stick out. Uh like you probably didn't notice the Xbox One X on the other side over there, and uh, but uh, you can sit it on that side; it runs fine. It has no issues. It's just you, you need to have the space for it to vent any heat out. So when it gets uh, when it's sitting there horizontal, it looks like somebody grabbed it and ripped it open. <laughs> it, it does. Uh, uh, like I said, it on the side when you're looking at it. One, it looks much bigger. Well, no, it looks as big as it actually is. Um, but, but you can tell that it was, A, not designed to be sat on its side at all. Like, no, they it's definitely, an art piece. Yeah, they definitely designed this to be standing upright from a visual standpoint. But B, they also definitely designed the digital edition as the original system. Mm. Because... Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you go like online and look at the pictures of the disc edition and the digital edition, the digital edition is, is perfectly symmetrical when it's upright. Whereas the, the disc one has this like ugly disc and the disc is loud as hell. So like, I, I feel like they're like, <laughs> Sounds like well, an afterthought. They're like, wow, this is beautiful. This is a, this is an amazing, beautiful system. But where's the it disc drive? And the designer oh, shit, was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? The disc drive? I don't, <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Like, and then they sent it's like a supplier. Who plays discs? It was like a lot of people actually. Right. So, so then they're they're like, okay, well, send us someone out to find the loudest disc drive oh. possible. <laughs> the loudest, <laughs> cheapest, <laughs> like, the loudest cheapest Blu-ray, 4K Blu-ray disc drive to put in this thing. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it works fine. It 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 looks odd, but it works fine. I look forward to the PS5 Slim, which is inevitable and will be coming out in a couple of years. If I had time, I'd wait for that instead, because I know we're going to get a really nice redesign of the whole thing. Well, I will show you an Xbox Series X really quick. It's actually surprisingly heavy. Um, This is it. Here we go. I like like that stupid fridge. Holding my baby. As you can kind of see, it gets thumbprints on it easier than you think. Yeah. You can kill a man with that. Bring it down on their head. They're gone. I think the vent on the top is actually pretty cool. Oh, um, that is cool. If you you can see the uh, the the ports on the back, this is actually like hard to hold right now. This is like <laughs> yeah, it, it, looks is, it is it is a bulky. It's not bulky, but it is dense. It is a yeah. dense console. Um, but it fits really nicely into my entertainment center. It blends in really well with all of my devices, which is what I'm kind of I think Microsoft intended. It's almost like a a giant, square, bulky Alexa in a, a, a lot of ways. Yeah. 
Um, but or you could just call it a mini a mini PC. You know, uh, it looks like it really <laughs> looks like a tower, a hard drive. Tower. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a it's just a glorified desktop tower. So it's the not, monolith not from particularly sexy. It's like really interesting how PS Sony and Microsoft went completely the opposite direction in terms of aesthetics this generation. It's like it's almost like Microsoft found out what Sony was doing. It was like, let's not do that. You, yeah, play, and, you can't play games on this. Yeah, right. it's, it's 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 very weird because. Uh, up until the PS5 got here, I I hadn't thought about my consoles. Like the, uh, we don't get a lot of physical game copies anymore. Most nope. of our reviews are digital code, so yep. I haven't mm-hmm. like really actually engaged with any of my consoles physically in a long time. Uh, so it's we don't very touch. we haven't like, consummated. Yeah, it's 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 very weird because. They all just like the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X just sort of fade into my entertainment. It's like a big conglomeration where entertainment comes from that I don't touch. Whereas the PS5 is like, hello, hello, sir. Excuse me. I'm here. Hi. My curves. (laughs) I kind of boil down my consoles to the actual controllers now. The controllers are usually sitting on a table or something. I'll just grab a controller turn on the system and mm-hmm. off we go. So yeah. Uh, just and, try and to keep the main unit free of dust and that's about it. Yeah. Other than the switch, I like, I don't think about the box that the, mm-hmm. that runs the game anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's just the consoles that, as I said, like are, are all on, on my desk. I just hit the button mm-hmm. and start it up. The, the consoles themselves <laughs> kind of hide in dark corners and with, with shame, with great shame. It occurred to me that when I plugged in my Xbox Series X, this is the first time that I will be playing a game without discs. Like I have a picture of when the PS4 came out and I was like, oh, I got my PS4, got all my games. And I had like a big old stack of games sitting next to the box. Right. This time around, no games. I do not have a single Xbox Series X uh, actual disc. And so I plugged it in, went through the whole setup process. It was quite fast and very seamless and very easy using the Xbox app. And then I had to sit and for the next, oh, eight hours or so, download games because it was like, oh, right. I got to download my entire library <laughs> oh, now. Right. Games. Uh, yeah, I need games. Uh-huh. And games. like Forza Horizon 4, like I made the mistake of downloading that first. And that took a long time. That is not a small game. So uh, be ready. I would start with a small game so that you can... Play, play it. it while waiting for everything else to download. Yeah, I looked on uh, back on my shelf, which you can barely see. My last physical game uh, is Resident Evil 7. Uh-huh. Um, uh, wow. That which was is a while 2017. Ago. So basically, right before the Switch came was the last time I, uh, they sent over a physical game. And since then, I have not purchased many physical games. And in fact, when I do, I, I sort of... There, there's a loathing inside. Like I bought Mario 3D All Stars on Switch, and I was just like, "Ah, you hate it." Yeah, I still buy the odd physical Switch game, but I'm kind of past buying physical versions of like PS5 and Xbox Series X games because I don't really see the point. Um, even like, outside of ownership or maybe getting a special collector's edition, I have a physical version of RDR2, for example, because that's what Rockstar sent me. It was a special fancy steel bookcase and all of that. <laughs> that that's kind of cool. But there's actually a uh, Facebook memory of me downloading RDR2, and I put a picture of a skeleton and said, Me waiting for RDR2 to finish downloading. 
<laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. A lot of these games, even if you buy physical, you still have to download stuff when you mm-hmm. plug it in so or install yep. it. So it's not like it really matters a whole much. One drawback, and there's something that we have to really talk about. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, actually, there is one game. Uh, they sent over Avengers physically first. Oh, my God. Why? And <laughs> well, um, so that's the only one that I have not played again on Backwards Compat because I don't know where the disc is. <laughs> uh, you so lost the my, disc? It's lost somewhere. Disc. Look, I moved uh, since okay. I played it. So, so the disc for Avengers is somewhere. And without the disc, like it, even though I have the license tied to my account it knows that the license was a disc license so it's like even on the ps5 i've copied it over but it's like where's the disc man like we can't start up without Oof. the disc no this this uh-huh. is all a ruse mike is trying to pull something <laughs> over he's like oh no i lost the marvel disc i'll never be able to play avengers <laughs> oh, now someone else oh. will have to cover this whoa oh. <laughs> something that we have to talk about is hard disk space on mm-hmm. the PS5 and the Xbox Series X because, mm-hmm. frankly, nope. out of the box, too small. Um, the Xbox Series X comes with a terabyte of data. Um, I'm already down to about 230 gigs, and wow. I haven't even installed Call of Duty yet. So that just tells you how it. much there. And Mike, that, uh, the PS5 is even smaller. You only got like 600 maybe gigs to yeah, play around so, with. And these games, a lot of these games are huge. Yeah. So the the system, uh, like because of their weird architecture that Mark Cerny decided to put out there for the speed, um, it Gotta starts with 825 gigs. That's the drive itself. But after the system, like when you pull it out, it's 667 gigs in total. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like 158 is like dedicated to operating system stuff. Yeah, so that's that's all you have because uh, at the moment uh, there is an, an internal slot for an M2 uh, SSD, but it doesn't actually work if you put anything in there. Sony has confirmed that. It's not like a testing thing. And you can't copy uh, PS5 games over to an archive drive yet. Um, that is supposed to be coming, but it's not there. Again, these are coming in real hot. So uh, that 667 is pretty much what you have to to work with, period, which is probably fine for most people. And by the time that becomes a problem, um, they'll probably have those uh, alternate storage options available and you'll be able to use an external drive for for archiving ps5 games as it stands right now uh basically i i don't have a ton of ps5 games and then the ps4 games all live on an external hard drive because i actually found in testing that there was a, a lower uh lowered load times on the ps5 but not enough that i couldn't survive playing ps4 games off the external drive uh, Berserker said, I'm sorry, I hope I don't sound entitled, but that is simply unacceptable to shell out for this next-gen console that I have to shell out another couple hundred dollars for more storage. Uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, uh, I Storage options are just going to... And uh, Johnny Pants makes the salient point that the Vita had this problem, too. 
It did. It oh. had that proprietary car that, to this day, I think, really it was not stunted its chances. proprietary memory, but you don't have to deal with proprietary memory necessarily, at least not on the Series X. Yeah. Oh, you, gotta, you got the, uh, the, the cards. X, yes. The Seagate cards. PlayStation 5, yeah. no. And the, the M2 SSD, uh, part of the thing is uh, Sony and manufacturers haven't really uh, synced up yet mm-hmm. to figure out which ones will work with the PS5. And the ones that probably will need to be rated for a certain speed, which means it will probably be uh, rather expensive. So I heard it was something like 5.5 gigabytes of uh, bandwidth per second. Yeah. So it's and and the Seagate card is like, what, 219 or something like that? Something uh, it's definitely over two hundred dollars for another one terabyte. Yeah. And the off the shelf SSDs rated in the same level for the ps5 probably will cost about the same so it even the extra storage is going to be prohibitively expensive um the only really good thing about this when you think about it is okay i get rid of games on my playstation 4 all the time to download new ones and then when i want to play again i say oh i download it again with this at least with the playstation 5 you can get rid of what games you're not playing and if you want to download again it'll take like two seconds so there is that one shining light of hope do you know how long it took me to download this game like two minutes <laughs> two minutes but that's where i two think like cloud streaming can come into play like the idea that yeah the series s like specifically the series s has barely any storage on that thing even compared to modern consoles but oh yeah it's like game 300 pass, gigs that's, yeah, game pass, that's not enough x cloud and you know if streaming gets to a point where it makes more sense to just stream Valhalla or stream Fallen Order or what have you. like, Or pay for a subscription for more what, online here's, storage. Here's what I'm wondering. Will the Series S be able to fit Wars, uh, be able to fit Warzone or Black, o- Black Ops Cold War after the first updates start rolling in? Will it be a case where Black Ops Cold War takes up so much space on its, on its own on the Series S hard drive that an update is too big for it? Yeah. I don't know uh, if that'll happen, but you will have a situation where you have to buy two Series S's and have one of them be your COD box. <laughs> um, COD box. I, I, I do think that Microsoft is probably uh, well-placed. I, I When I was looking at Project X Cloud, which doesn't actually have a name now that it's part of Xbox Game yeah, Pass. Yeah, that's weird. Um, it's just called like XCloud. Or yeah. No, it's, it's they're just like, you can stream things off of Game Pass now, so I guess you just call it like cloud streaming on, on Android. Pass. Yeah, yeah. the the cloud gaming is the future. I think that downloading oh. things at a certain point is going to start to feel a little bit archaic. Maybe you'll do it for certain shooters or that kind of thing you that you want while you're to have it. a minimum of input lay, delay. But for the bulk of games, especially like indies, that kind of thing, RPGs. I think you can play yeah. R- yeah, RPGs maybe. You can probably play with no problem whatsoever. Right. And 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 maybe you just want to try a game, or you just want to play a game briefly, like something like Hitman Three. Oh, Hitman oh. Uh, for me on Steam is I think a hundred and sixty gigs because I have Hitman Two with all of the old Hitman One levels. So probably Hitman Three with the first sets of levels from Hitman Two and One will probably be like two hundred gigs unless they do some optimization stuff. Uh, so when they announced that for say Stadia, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's the kind of game where I don't need like Twitch reflexes. I'll stream that. 
Yeah. Uh, so if Hitman Three is something that's on uh, PlayStation Now or uh, Xbox Game Pass, and I can stream it, uh, that works better for me, especially with Game Pass because Game Pass saves to your your account saves, your cloud saves. So if you want to stream it for a while and then download it later and pick up where you left off, I think that's probably uh, a, a real good use case of cloud streaming. Like I don't always want to stream games, which is why mm-hmm. something like Stadia doesn't work for me. Yeah. But I also don't always I wouldn't need mind to having the option. Something. The option right. good. Like, like Nintendo. Um, I don't understand. I don't it. really understand why it's not an option out of the box especially with the xbox series x because the technology is already in place i mean you can play it on mobile uh, on android right away why don't they have an option to either download or play on a cloud it would be pretty cool if i could just instantly access all of my xbox game pass games through the x cloud i agree on my series x why not Mm -hmm. it's a it seems like a weird choice there must be some kind of tech thing going on maybe it's not ready for prime time but again it's already out on android yeah everything everything is a mess because i have uh so i i have the the new google chromecast that just came out like a month ago uh stadia does not actually work on it which is (laughs) perplexing just utterly like it's 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 your brand new device google why isn't your game streaming service working on your yeah, so everyone's having a game streaming service. Well, Google is a very large company, and I'm sure that plenty of Google people don't even know Stadia exists anymore. Look, as yes. an Austin, Texas resident, like I can't imagine Google ever starting something and not finishing it. Can't imagine it. <laughs> no, I don't know what that would happened. be like. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the games. Um, not a lot out of the gate that should be interesting RPG fans. Uh, notably, Xbox Series X does have Game Pass. And um, if you buy an Xbox Series X, you have to get Game Pass. I think it's pretty much mandatory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some ga- some RPGs that are on Game Pass right now include Tales of Vesperia, the, H- the updated remastered version, and also Outer Worlds. Um, various Final Fantasy games. Uh, I think Follow New Vegas is on there. So yes, they're old games, but they load real, real fast. So <laughs> Vesperia holds her. up. Vesperia holds up. That's a good one. Though to play. I gotta say, when I was playing Outer Worlds, while it did load faster, like playing games on my Xbox Series X reminded me of, despite the fact that Outer Worlds came out last year, it already looks pretty dated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Outer Worlds definitely. Um, so for me, I have Cat has more games on on series x than i have on ps5 i have the pathless i have devil may cry 5 special edition astros playroom and spider-man miles morales with demon souls coming closer to launch Sackboy mm-hmm. coming closer to launch i mean demon souls is the big one right i right. mean my only concern is i guess we'll see is that blue point is going to optimize it to the point that it doesn't feel like a souls game anymore right Right, we True, talked about that I, on a previous I, I think, episode. I think they're they're going to keep most of that. And then otherwise I have uh like a bunch of PS4 games and then they also have the PS Plus collection. So if you don't have yeah. a whole bunch of PS4 games, the Plus collection is like a bunch of first party games and PlayStation hits titles, so like Monster Hunter <laughs> World, uh Resident Evil 7, Mortal Persona Kombat 5. 10, Persona 5, uh, yeah, Persona 5 uh bloodborne which by the way still runs Whoa. at 30 frames per second um, beautiful bloodborne I love is it. one of the games that does not uh uh change frame rates sorry guys what 
No, yeah, Bloodborne uh, stays at uh, at 30 frames per second, and I'd have to guess that that's because, uh, given some of the old ports of Dark Souls, that probably something in combat uh, like or some logic to is tied to frame yeah. rate. Oh so. God. <laughs> Bloodborne I was gonna say one of the we were talking about Yakuza earlier. One of the nice things about Yakuza Like a Dragon is that those load screens, like one second max. Yeah. Even on PC, Whereas, I haven't read a load tip yet. Yeah, I was I was very sad. So I, I used to love in Spider Man on PS4 the subway loading screens where whatever costume you were in, like he'd be like sitting on top of the subway or outside the subway car. Those I are do gone. love creative loading screens. Yeah, those are gone. I will miss so those. Miles, you 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 hit fast travel and he walks out of the subway in the next second. Like but it's the just seamless, But the seamlessness is great. I yeah. don't like load times because load times really takes you out of the moment. Um that was you, you uh, reach for your that's phone. the problem. That's the problem that I've had with open world RPGs in the past where it's like, oh, God, I accidentally entered an area where I have to load. It's going to take a good 15 seconds. This is going to take forever. I can't last 15 seconds. Oh, my God, it's 2020. Ah, I need a phone. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Time to doom school. Yeah, I, for, for a I forget what game it was. There was some game where whenever you died, it had to reload. And that so it was like 10 seconds of load time every time you died. Oh, and that's was, pain. That's pain. It was so and, and that that's the kind of thing that's sort of in the past. Now we've we've sort of looped back around into cartridge load times. Oh, God. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Like, oh, good. No. This is a Miyamoto dream. Like Miyamoto was ahead <laughs> of the game mm-hmm. when he wanted to go with cartridges because he was like, screw load times. Come on. Was that we Miyamoto need to see or was that Yamochi who said that? Probably both. Miyamoto was right. Um our Raider wanted to know if Like a Dragon looks better on the PS5. It is not out on the PS5 yet. Um, they're playing, I think, maybe referring to next gen more. They're playing the PS4 edition. Uh, I'm not entirely clear on how much Like a Dragon adds from a graphical standpoint, but I have to imagine it looks pretty much the same on across all platforms. I mean, it, it's not exactly a, a graphical showcase by itself. As I, think the, I think the boost you'd be getting would be like uh, just a smooth frame rate like a locked in frame rate i know that some of the later yakuza's on ps4 could get a little iffy at times and on pc and from what i've seen of series x uh the like a dragon stuff seems real solid so the categories yeah yeah poe is he's he's heated about yakuza <laughs> so longer term outlook i think looks really good for uh, RPG fans this generation yeah, we've definitely. spent the last two episodes talking about how the last generation went on the PS4 on the Xbox One X so go check that out but basically Microsoft owns all of the RPG studios at this point Somehow. so you yeah. can look- I feel X- like RPG fans are going to need both systems honestly because I think uh-huh. a lot of the JRPGs are going to yeah. end up on PlayStation 5 and of course pretty much all the western RPGs are going to end up on the Xbox like there's no arguing that but but like if the Xbox does Xbox, well enough I'm sure a lot of games are going to launch simultaneously and I bet Microsoft will throw money around to get some stuff on day one game especially Pass. to uh, Sega who is uh, definitely on the struggle uh, mm. a little, little little money from Microsoft might help them uh, same with know. Square I mean did you see how much money they lost from Avengers they could probably use a little bit of cash <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, so I, I think everyone can use a little bit of Microsoft Don't know where cash the right now. Can't play it. Yeah, <laughs> Line up for the Microsoft teat. It's very, I, I, very I would also say, uh, in terms of next gen, uh, part of the thing that 
a lot of people also have to realize, especially if you love JRPGs, is a lot of these developers, like Square's main teams can throw a lot at resources to make really like next-gen looking games. But like the Tales guys, uh, like Bandai Namco Studios, like they're they're still not, or, or RGG Studio even, they're not going to make games that look like the top tier AAA Ubisoft games or whatever. Like their games are are going to look pretty good. They're yeah. going to use some of the technology, but they don't have the resources to spend years uh, modeling a tree or something like that. Like they're going to turn <laughs> on ray tracing. I can't believe this heresy. Ray tracing trees. This heresy. <laughs> coming to, I'm coming to tales. Ray trace trees. Mike, do you not believe in the power of God in anime? Anime will always look good. Anime yeah, like, has never so, aged. Like, uh, what's it called? Scarlet Nexus is a, yeah, is a next-gen game, and it looks great. But it's also not the kind of game where you're looking at and you're like, oh, wow, look at that texture work. That is so detailed and wonderful. Tales of Arise might look really good. Tales of Arise, from the gameplay they've shown, looks looks pretty decent. Like the very, very, very brief gameplay they showed in like one trailer. But I want to see specifically what Arc System Works does because Strive, uh, Guilty Gear Strive, will be coming to PS5 as well. And uh, Guilty Gear... And obviously other things like Dragon Ball Fighters and stuff like that, they literally like set the bar in terms of how good them and like NetherRealm are the two studios that I really want to see like have at it for like really good looking fighting games. And then maybe Capcom can figure out how to make Street Fighter look nice again, too. That'd be nice. Street Fighter 6. I think the studio that I am (laughs) genuinely the most curious to see in next gen is Playground Games because Mm. they did such a phenomenal job with Forza Horizon. Um, over the past generation, they are expanding. I want to know, will the expansion water down how things go? Will they be able to keep that high level of excellence with RPGs? Will their design ethos translate to RPGs? Because if it does, Fable could sneakily be one of the best RPGs of this generation. Yeah, I'm kind of curious myself. Especially since we got a... Well, I mean, we're getting Breath of the Wild, too. But Yeah. But yes. there's so many gaps between Nintendo's games. So it's let's like, be honest. If you want to play all of the RPGs that have the full breadth, probably get a Switch, get a gaming PC, and get a PS5. Uh, not cheap. Just get all the consoles. <laughs> Go on. If you want the best possible RPG experience, oof, probably a PS5 will do it. Just a PS5. Well, but losing, but but losing uh, the Bethesda RPGs really hurts. I think they're going to come where, out exclusive it's going to be exclusive for a year or something but they'll come but then again who it's, wants to play a bethesda game a year after the hype dies down i say as everyone buys skyrim skyrim's on everything now yeah skyrim's on your fridge at this point like <laughs> <laughs> um we we are getting to the point by the way uh, that that a lot of japanese developers are starting to really see the benefit in pc so mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the need for a non-Nintendo console is actually lessening a little bit if you have a gaming PC. Okay, here's an idea. Instead of buying both a Series X and a PS5, invest that $1,200 in a gaming PC that even a mid-range gaming PC can run most everything these days. Mm-hmm. And you will be able to play probably all of the Japanese RPGs. Hell, even Dragon Quest Eleven came out on the, yep. uh, the PC. Everything, yeah, and a lot of JRPGs a, are coming on PC now. And then get a Nintendo Switch, you're good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it's uh, things they are a changing. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, it's an exciting time. Is everyone excited about it? I love it. And the Switch Pro is coming. Look, I'm, I'm exhausted and excited. Why are all e- these exhausted. Nintendo things ending at the end of the fiscal year? Mm, Monster Hunter Rise? Come on now. Come on now. Mm. You know, it's funny. Like, this whole conversation, I was kind of like, yeah, next-gen's cool and everything. But I almost... If I didn't already have a next gen console, it would have been like I had talked myself out of getting a next gen console like <laughs> right out of the gate because it's just like, oh well, I got a gaming PC and there's not a lot on these things right now. So I and honestly, it's probably a better investment just to get a gaming PC anyway to a, a nice upgraded one Buy with like say an RTX thirty eighty. Yeah. Yeah. I will admit I'm I'm I, I I am preferring the PS4 because I do not have uh, the ability to get one of the new uh, 3000 series RTX cards. Oh, right. You and everybody. Once I can, then maybe. But even with a 2070 Super and a somewhat older processor, I feel like I have an outside shot of being able to play Cyberpunk um, at least pretty well. Oh, yeah. 2070 oh, yeah. Super yeah. is not outdated by any like stretch. The only the game that I straight up can't play is Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is very processor heavy. Heavy. So oh, I've been yeah, trying yeah. to find that, refine that screaming cowboy meme where someone's playing Flight Simulator <laughs> and the cowboy keeps screaming as the processor goes up and up and their computer blows My up. My processor but. was a hundred percent when I was trying to play Microsoft Flight Simulator. <laughs> exactly. It was ridiculous. Like that. Which, by the way, I can't wait till that game comes out on Series X because I'm just like that, that is actually one reason for me to own a Series X is to be able to play Flight Simulator on it. Yeah, because I, I was playing Legion on PC and I, I have Valhalla on PC and those are fine for me. Like I'm I'm doing very well. Uh, Legion at the very least uses uh, a lot of ray tracing tech and I was able to tweak it to get it running at 60 frames per second at 1440p. So I, I was good to go. You're all coming at me with all this tech talk and I'm just going to go play Age of Calamity on my Switch Lite. You know what? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Forget you, Nadia, that you you. can play Age of Calamity. Uh, Mike, did you play Assassin's Creed Odyssey on the PS5? Uh, I have not, just because Odyssey was one of the bigger games. I I downloaded Origins, and uh, Syndicate was my first one, because Ubisoft came out and was Mm -hmm. like, look, Syndicate is not going to work. And... And then they it retracted didn't. that and I put it in <laughs> uh, and this is uh, we I, I did a separate like tweet about this syndicate does sort of work like it plays, but it there is a definite global lighting bug that causes sort of a weird strobe effect in certain areas. <laughs> so London my, guess is, <laughs> my guess is, is that Ubisoft like put it in or like. Wow, that's a problem. Does anyone <laughs> want to fix that? Nah. Is this a nah. known shippable? Is this? <laughs> like, Can anyone fix that? Like, I don't want to screw that. So, uh, and 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 given that it's Syndicate, like I, I I think if like Origins had had that problem or Odyssey had had that problem, mm-hmm. they would have like gone back and like yeah, just patch that out real quick for me. Hmm. But Syndicate. Poor syndicate. They were just like, Syndicate's good. I like that. It's a good game. Separately, I'm annoyed at just how spiteful Konami is about being PT. About PT. Oh, yeah. Uh, Here's an idea, Konami. You own the rights to PT. Just repackage it and release it as a standalone thing on on a console. (laughs) Charge $20 for it. 
Yeah. yeah people want it. Like it's taken on a life of its own. I don't, <laughs> I think it's a little absurd how much weight people put in it, but it's mostly because it's just inaccessible these days. People can't have it. Therefore it's they lionize it. It's kind of its own legend it. in a way. And a legend pairs well with a horror, the horror I game. I saw somebody call it the greatest horror game ever made. I was just <laughs> like, uh, hi, my name's Eric. Uh, that's, that might've been me. <laughs> Eric, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's, it's really it good. It is pretty okay, good. Look, it hits everything that I think makes good horror, which is like the setup. Who's this loser who it's, says that a horror <laughs> game is like me? I said that. Oh, it's, uh, it's, okay. It's got so great construction and it's like sliced well. Like that's the thing is so many horror games are too long. That's the problem. Short horror games are where it's at. Uh, I will say. I will I will say two things. One, yes, it was it was very done. Well done, Eric. I, I can agree with that. Yes. But it's so well done. Once built. you understand how it works, like and you oh. see the seams of it, like I had played enough that I was like, okay, I'm not like afraid anymore. Like I know how this works. I don't know. And when when that voice on the radio says turn around, I always lose it and I give up. The terror uh, is not the only part. Like it's just so well constructed. Like it is built well that even like yeah i can beat mario 1 1 with my eyes closed that doesn't mean that mario 1 1 is not a well-made level like it's right. but two i think part of the reason is so amazing is that it promises a game that will never come out yeah and yes your yes. imagination will always mm-hmm. be better than whatever that's ever that's very true and just remembering the the hype behind the reveal at the mm-hmm. end when that streamer who was no one really knew just finish the game and it turned just like you see norman Reedus there that was pretty mm-hmm. incredible and it's like hideo kojima guillermo del toro and you're just like what? yeah it's like <laughs> that yeah. was that was a whoa moment and, and oh, i mean I, I, I liked pt and i wanted silent hills uh i just don't think pt is like the greatest horror game ever no, created no there there are there are other ones that are also very good like i'm really big into the indie horror scene you do stuff like anatomy and, and games like that but yeah uh, and uh, like we were talking last week about fatal frame and those games are good and once you yeah, mentioned I fatal frame i was like oh man those games are real good we need another fatal frame when is maiden of blackwater coming to switch all right when can we get that port is what i want to know <laughs> Yeah, man, we're like, I, I just like the, the Fatal Frame team. Like, I, I just come on, guys, just just give me a little bit of something. I know they're still out there. Fatal Frame fans can have a switch port as a treat. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> just a but, little one. This next generation is just going to be us vetching about ports. When are we going to get the port? Eh. Mm-hmm. No, but, so, but really, like we are. There's also so really, many games that come out the What's the compatibility patch coming in for this game I played 20 years ago? But there's so many games coming come out in. all the time that like I'm still working my way through all of them. And part of me is kind of just like, yeah, give me an excuse to like finish this game I only put three hours into. Right, Poe? And like give me an excuse to go back to this thing on next gen i don't need new games i've got a lot of old games i still gotta play poe knows your cat's He's really like, angry that you went back, back on the whole pt thing <laughs> cat's angry Vodka. that you betrayed pt Vodka was mentioning that assassin's creed odyssey is one of the slowest loading games on the ps4 along with witcher 3 oh, well yeah. i can say that oh, witcher yeah. 3 loads hella fast on the xbox um if you just jump in with the instant resume oh my what? god you can be in that game in like five seconds it's so great um even just going from Zero to starting up if you have instant resume, bang. So that's Witcher pretty 3, cool. Uh, big, big, big update, and they are also working on a next gen upgrade for Witcher Three that is free to everybody who already owns the game, which is pretty cool. 
Okay, let's wrap up with predictions for the generation as a whole. Uh, I think that it's going to be another long generation. I think that these consoles are going to last at least another seven, eight years. Um, I personally think that the way we actually purchase and enjoy games will change a lot by the end of the generation. I expect cloud gaming to take on a bigger and bigger role. I expect subscription services to take on uh, a much bigger role in how we consume games. Sitting and downloading a zillion games will feel kind of archaic by 2027, much in the same way as buying a whole stack of games on disc will feel kind of archaic. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I agree as, as, as it stands, like someone mentioned Odyssey. So I was just like, well, let's load up the PS5 and start downloading Odyssey. And, uh, it's moving at a pretty quick clip. So, uh, I don't need to go find a, a disc, uh, or, or the Avengers disc, poor Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> when I can just download the game from the, the magic of the server clouds and, uh in in far off land so let's well, yeah. just hope to god there's not a nuclear war that erases everything We're uh, what do you think? what's up what do you think what's your what are your predictions my my big thing is that i think this is going to be like a generation about platforms and not like platforms in the sense of like playstation xbox but the idea of like ubisoft is a platform and it's going to have all of the ubisoft games and maybe you'll have a subscription that you buy into and it'll have a system where you go into they they just announced like their you connect or whatever that has all the cross play and cross save cross progression stuff all of that is going to start to merge and you're going to have companies like epic that are just creating these like monolithic platforms that are these services that are both game providing, but also just like things that you have to plug yourself into. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And then also we're probably going to have something we don't even know that's coming along. Cause like this last generation ended up being, I think the generation of like social and sharing and streaming and being able to post a screenshot, like first of all, take a screenshot on a console directly from the console. And then second of all, being able to like share it on social media from your console. So I'm interested to see how that evolves too, but it'll probably be something we don't even know, like blasting Xbox into your brain or whatever. <laughs> Elon Musk's blasting brain into the sun. parasites. Uh, yeah, no, that's not the best. Like uh, uh, watchdogs Legion uh, part of the, the, set up for that is everyone has little implants in their head yeah, yeah. And that's how you can mess with people you can just be like mm -hmm. and zap like nope mm -mm, it's gonna nope. be like ghost in the shell where we all have those like brain <laughs> shells or whatever it's gonna be great is this gonna be the last major console launch <laughs> nah i think we I got one think more so. no no i no. feel like you're right in saying it's gonna be a very long generation because if you remember xbox 360 that generation lasted forever uh partially because it huge economic downturn nobody was going to release a new console or even think about new consoles at that point and i feel like we'll be fine in the end but we're going into a massive recession and people will still find ways to buy systems they did during that during the 2008 uh downturn but they're going to hang on to them for a very long time and given the how much technology can be kind of upgraded on the fly these days there's no reason to, to automatically run out and get the newest hardware. There's no there's no need for that anymore. So yes, this will be a very long generation, but I think at the end we're still going to have a new Sony, a new Nintendo, a new whatever Xbox. Ten we'll have a new years Nintendo down the road. for sure. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's that's number one right there. But we're I mean, Nintendo has shown just 
how graphics just don't matter as much as they used to. I mean, the top performing game on Twitch right now is Among Us, a game that can literally run um, everything, mobile games. There are so many jokes about people getting their RTX 3080, and what's the first game they load up on it? Freaking Among Among Us. Us. (laughs) I mean... That that's the how things are, and so that really benefits Nintendo in so many ways because so many people could just get a Switch, have all of these wonderful exclusive games, and not suffer too much from the graphics category because all that really matters is it looks good enough, has a good art style, and it plays well, and people will be able to put up with a lot. So yeah, yeah. So that that might be the the way the generation rolls. I mean, it's, it's certainly not what I would have expected. I would have figured by 2020 we would have truly photorealistic graphics by this point. But maybe I mean, photorealistic graphics just don't matter as much. We have them, but we don't. Not not everything has to be photorealistic. Yeah, no. like Capcom does the stuff with the photogrammetry that does some really impressive. Uh, but do you need to? On the other hand, Microsoft Flight Simulator is a genuinely amazing technological yeah, but nobody achievement. can play it yet because it's it's ahead of it's a new crisis. It's way ahead of its time. <laughs> but that's so cool though yeah. that it mapped the entire world. You can fly around in that. Um, they're going to take that technology and they're going to find really neat ways to implement that into new games uh, on console and that kind of thing. Like open world games could be so different. We we could ha- we could legit have whole countries that you're just wandering around. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ubisoft has been doing that since uh, probably the first time I heard it was Ghost Recon Wildlands, where they were like literally like, here's a map. Here's we got some pictures of some plants. The system crunches it all together. And that's how they start building their open worlds. And then they actually have artists go in and are like, all right, some more trees here. A little more desert Some happy here. little trees. Bob Ross, right. the level designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, uh, I, I, it, it, it'll be interesting to see more people who aren't Ubisoft get there. And speaking of Ubisoft, I think that developers are just going to have to figure out the crunch issue because, oh, yeah. I mean, we were discussing the last episode. Ubisoft kind of figured it out because they scaled up so far and have so many uh, studios around the world. And they're able to coordinate between them from a logistics standpoint. And because they're French, they actually care about work-life balance. So people uh, aren't getting worked to death necessarily. Yeah, they, um, they, they have their Ubisoft own has work other problems. Issues, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, have, they have their own problems. <laughs> but uh, sure. the, the, the crunch side of it is less of a problem yeah. uh, because they can yeah. offload like like something like uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is the work of like can we I find the like studio eight, eight to ten studios in tandem? Can we find the studio that is not crunch problem and also not evil? Can we figure <laughs> we'll that get out there someday? Let's hope for that for the new generation. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be both. <laughs> All right. That is our deep look at the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. If I'm being 100% honest right now, I would probably buy a PS5 over an Xbox Series X, because even though the Xbox Series X has a lot of really good um, quality of life improvements, I really love Game Pass, that kind of thing. The PS5 has the killer apps that RPG fans are going to want to play right the heck now. Final Fantasy 16 is apt to be out next year. Sony has a great track record on that front. I think Microsoft will close the gap significantly uh, in the coming months, years, that kind of thing. But if, if I'm talking about right now, 
But as for buying a console at this very moment in time, probably I would not do that because I think that the improvements aren't quite enough to warrant a day one adoption. You can play games. The biggest games of the fall, like Cyberpunk, you can play on multiple different consoles. The PS4 and the Xbox One X still look great. It's mostly quality of life improvements with a lot of these new systems. So I think you can plausibly wait. Um, Would you agree with that, Mike? Yes. And speaking of those quality of life improvements, so someone brought up Odyssey. Uh, I hit download. Odyssey is now ready to play in six minutes. So it downloaded 27 gigs in six minutes. Wow. Um, And it's doing a total of 71 gigs. It says it's got like 10 minutes left for the rest of it. So, um, like I'm already from when someone brought it up, I'm able to play it, which I would not have been on a PS4 pro. Like that would have been a whole hour mm-hmm. waiting. So that's the kind of quality of life, like just small improvements that you don't necessarily think about that are happening on these newer consoles. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like that. It's just a matter of if those quality of life improvements and better frame rates on your old games are worth $500. <laughs> Lethal Migraine is a huge Xbox stand as I'm discovering in this chat. And they were pointing out that a lot of these, I mean, Game Pass is not a game changer, but it is a kind of a bigger deal than I think a lot of people are making it out to given that stuff like the new Destiny expansion is launching right yeah. onto it. And mm-hmm. Destiny has Xbox Series X optimizations and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know, though, like, I think we've already seen as I was kind of mentioning in my review, as good as a service as Game Pass is, it hasn't shown itself to be able to sell systems yet. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's the reason it's not the reason to buy an Xbox. But if you have an Xbox, you have no reason not to own it. Like, that's the weird Mm -hmm. part. So, yeah. Okay. thanks, everybody, for joining us as we talked about the Xbox Series X and the PS5. They will be out. In the next couple days, as of the release of this podcast, look forward to all of our ongoing coverage for the rest of the generation. In the meantime, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure to go subscribe over on the podcatcher of your choice. Please go and review us. We really appreciate it. It makes our day. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Mike is at Automatic Zen. Did I already say what mine is? I, I can't yes, remember. Yes, he did. I've been podcasting for like two hours now. (laughs) I'm getting tired. (laughs) Anyway, we will be back next week. As always, same blood god time, same blood god location. (laughs) And for Nadia, Mike, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening. We'll see you again. Have a good day. Good luck. Bye-bye.